Hello, and welcome to You Had Me at Martini. I'm Susan, and I'm joined by my co-host, Melissa. Hi, everyone. And we are uh, two, I feel like we need to come up with a term, because we always say we're two boomers, but we're barely boomers, because we're right on the cusp of Gen X. So we've got to come up with some name that combines us two. So if anyone can think of anything, email us at youhadmeatmartini at gmail.com, because we, we got to come up with something that describes us, because we're indescribable. That's a pretty broad, that's a broad request there because describing. <laughs> there could be a okay, whole lot. let me just say, if you can't say something nice, yes, don't true. say anything. But if you can come up with something that blends Boomer with Gen X, yes, like barely there. Barely. I don't know how to say B-O-O-X, books. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Or yeah. Boomax. Boomax, Boomax. Yeah, we're That's Boomaxers. Cool. I don't know. But yeah, we are. Um... Boomax. I like that, Susan. You just solved it for us. Okay, never mind. We're good. So we're Boomax yeah. Xers. And uh, we decided to start our own podcast when COVID hit. And we were talking all the time. And we had a lot of time on our hands. And we were like, hey, why not? So here, here we are. Here we are. Here we are. And um, today, in honor of our podcast that we are doing on the book Untamed, which is written by the author Glennon Doyle, who is a recovering alcoholic, we decided that we would not drink cocktails. So what are you drinking, <laughs> Melissa? I think it was a good choice. Um, I'm drinking a, a, cafe, a little water, bubbly water, bubbly water. Gotcha. I'm drinking a hint raspberry lemon. I, I, yummy. I'm actually yeah. liking this new flavor. Raspberry lemon. Okay. I'll have to try yes. those. Yeah. That one, the hint waters can go either really good for me or really bad. I've in terms it. of liking the flavor or in terms of just like, your reaction? No, just liking the flavor. And gotcha. usually, I'm not that particular, but I found with that one, it's just like, ooh, but that one does sound good because I like lemon and limes preferably. Those are my Gotcha. So, okay. Well, now, this has got a hint of lemon and a hint of raspberry essences, as it says on the bottle. So. Um, so today we are talking about the book Untamed, which has so much to unpack and we're not going to unpack it all because then you wouldn't need to read it, but we are going to talk about like our favorite quotes, but first Melissa is going to give us a little lowdown on the book itself and the author. Yeah. I don't think we could even begin. There's so much written about it. There's so much talked about it as it is, right? Cause it was such a popular anticipated book when it came out. Um, I think that I was introduced to it on various podcasts. And of course I follow Glennon on my Instagram. So I kind of had knew, known and heard about her and kind of known a little bit about her, but this is her third book. She's written two others and she was a writer, um, had it in her to be a writer and her writing first became evident to her when she was, um, young, had three children and she was a recovering alcoholic and a recovering bulimic. And so she had a lot of issues and had these children and had her first child and became sober. So as she likes to say, she was, quote, dripping in children and decided that she needed to get to her, couldn't get to her meetings, her sobriety meetings. And so she started this blog and it didn't start out as a blog. It's very funny to hear her on another, you know, her podcast talk about how she started this monastery blog. Um, she was raised Christian, you know, with religion in her background. So she did have that. I think that's where the monastery came from, which was actually very cute. But she started sending thoughts of the day to her girlfriends, which I thought was quite hilarious. And they just never always responded to her. 
So someone turned her on to how to blog and that's how you start here, Glenn. And I think you need to start blogging. That's how she describes it. So I'm not speaking for her, but this is how she described it. So that's how she started the blog. And then she's obviously been a writer and wrote through her books about her life. So if you want to talk a little bit about that. Well, I, all I know, I didn't do as much research as Melissa. So sorry about that. What I do know is her book prior to this book was about, uh, saving her marriage. Um, her marriage, her husband had been an adulterer mm -hmm. and they went through a lot to uh, fix their marriage. And it was all, I believe, a memoir about how they came out the other end. And then she was at some type of conference with writers where different writers were there talking about their books, sitting at a table and a woman walked in who she had no idea who she was and she felt something she'd never felt before and like reached her arms out toward this woman, like from across the room. And the long and short of it is it's like she fell in love at first sight and it blew up her entire life. And this book is about that and how, um, you know, she just never saw it coming, but it was a huge blessing in her life and it taught her a lot. And um, it's really fascinating. Yeah. Uh, basically, one of the underlying themes is how society forces roles on us, like as, as does family, religion, school, to conform to certain scripts that we all are familiar with, like, you know, the wife, the mother, the, you know, the daughter, the son, et cetera, et cetera. And right. it's kind of about rethinking that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it is. And she, I think, came up with it, the, the beginning of the story again, another association with this book is the cheetah. I think there's some artwork around the cheetah too that she has with this, um, with this is that she talks about being at a zoo with her two young daughters and her new wife and seeing a cheetah that was trained um, in, in a captive environment at the zoo and how she could see it when it was doing what it was trained to do, but then they kind of put it into this cage and she just kind of was observing it and it became its own cheetah. It's like it had this knowing that, okay, I'm really not supposed to be doing these other things I'm trained to do. There's something else. I'm not sure what it is. Mm -hmm. And so as she observed this, she said, well, of course, you're not supposed to be this cheetah that runs after these pink rabbits that they were trained to do. You're a goddamn cheetah is how she said it, which means that really what you are is you're not tamed properly. You are untamed as a cheetah. That's what you are. So I think part of it, you know, this is just you and I talking and, you know, half of the time bullshitting our way through what we think. I'm sorry. <laughs> are you saying we're not huge intellectuals? Didn't we not talk about being we asked did. Mensa in our exactly. last episode? <laughs> but that's kind of how I related to it, right? Yeah. It really, again, everyone's going to maybe look at it different when untamed means, but you are right. It is exactly what society has put around all of us as women. And she's very women focused, obviously. Yes, this book is definitely yeah. not something that I would recommend to boomer husbands for the most part. I could see yeah. my son who, yeah. who is a, is he a Gen X? Are they Gen X? I'm not even sure. Yeah, maybe. Whatever he is, he's yeah. 30. Um, yeah. I could see him appreciating this because he's of a dinner, different generation where you know they view women, I think, a lot more as equals than how our husbands were raised, even though I think they think that they think we're equal now, even though I'm not sure if that's necessarily true. Um, but yes, yeah, really a book that I, I would say speaks more to women. 
Yeah, I do. And I do think you're right about that. I think it's a really good book for, um, you know, our son's story in some ways, because it does um, define that and talks about how women have feelings and it might always fall into something that they have historically stereotypically ever been thought of, you know, how, how women should behave. So um, the book itself was pretty, it was difficult at times to get through. Did you find it, Susan? Like when, you, uh, you know, it's so rich, I guess is the only way I could like, it's like you read a paragraph and it's like you could go off in so many directions in your mind that it's not like one of those ones you just like kind of gobble up. Like I just read a really junky thing and I was able to like, I was, it was on my Kindle. I was just flipping through pages to get to the next good part because it was just so rambling nothingness. This was every, it was like every sentence had value. So yeah, I felt it was hard to get through in that sense. Um, Not hard. It just took me longer to read because it was more thought provoking. Does that make sense? It does. And that's exactly what it was. And, and the way the book was arranged, like after I read it, it, it was easy in some ways because every chapter was as much as was intense from an emotional, like digesting, I have to digest this. This is really emotional. Mm-hmm. It was, every chapter was very short and quick. And that's looking back through the, um, table of contents. It is, there's a lot of stuff and it's all very different named differently based on whatever her story is. She's kind of like a storyteller, right? What happens in her life and how she became to realize and this situation happened. And this is how we become untamed in that is weaved a lot of her own personal story, which I'm sure is in her other books too. Right. So it has, well, I think they're all memoirs, aren't they? So then that would be your personal story. This is almost a memoir too, right? I mean, in so many ways, right? So that's probably all what she writes. Um, but she's excellent. I think she's an excellent writer. Absolutely. Very talented. And she definitely gets it all out in in, in great in a great way that makes it easy to understand and relate to. Yes. Um, I did like that. Um, one thing, you know, too, that she's got some pretty, you know, swanky friends, right? I mean, obviously her... Her new wife is Abby Wambach, who is the Olympian, you know, soccer player. So that's an interesting in and of itself, right? The mm-hmm. thing she was attracted to, and that's how her marriage, you know, came apart. But her marriage today sounds like they're still all very good friends. Her ex-husband. Yeah, they have managed to navigate a situation that in a lot of situations people would not do well. Like the husband being left for another woman, men and their egos and that whole thing. But they, they are co-parenting in a way that at least appears from what you read and see in the media as really um, healthy. Yes. Exactly. Focusing on what's best for the kids and let's all get along. And I wish you nothing but the best and vice versa. You know, we've got these kids for the rest of our lives that we're going to be involved with. I mean, I wish my parents who were divorced could have been like that, but it wasn't really amicable. So that was, you know. And it's also, it was tough, I'm sure, for her because of the way she was raised, right? Like this was such, uh, and again, this was such a diversion from what she had even written about in her two previous books. Like a lot of people talk about her following were Christian women. Oh, yeah. All about how do you forgive? Your husband cheated on you so many times and how do you forgive, right? And she talked about that as a real form basis of what she grew up with and what was of course expected of her Mm -hmm. based on that upbringing. And, you know, when it comes out, one thing that you're getting a divorce, that's going to upset that community in and out. Oh, absolutely. And then, yeah, yeah. You're going to getting divorced because you're going to marry a woman. Yeah. That was in, 
And oddly enough, she said, of course, she was going to lose people, but she didn't care. She's not trying to do this for other people. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, then on, on other people, it resonated in different ways, like exactly how you feel, like good for her. She did exactly what was in her. And right. That too now that she had to, through her recovery, not just in this book, I'm sure in the very beginning, she had to start looking deep within, right? Looking well, at she calls it her knowing. Yeah. And what I would equate that to for me is your intuition, like in, right. or your gut. Like mm -hmm. I'll always say to my kids when they have a big decision, like, okay, just stop for a minute. What is your gut telling you? Like, don't, li don't listen to me. Don't listen to dad. Stop for a minute. What does your gut say? Follow your gut because your gut is usually going to steer you right. And a lot of times we don't follow our gut. I mean, you hear that. Of course, you don't hear that because you don't listen to true crime podcasts like I do. But they talk about, you know, my my gut was telling me this is dangerous. Get away. But but um, ironically enough, society tells us to always be polite. So like they talk a lot of times about women's guts saying, get away from this guy. But then they're like, oh, but that would be rude. And, you know, and so yeah. then they end up saying and later, you know, subsequently I was assaulted and yada, yada, because I didn't listen to my gut. Right. So right. she calls it her knowing. Right. And she does look to that quite a bit. And it's very important to her to look for that and, and, and tune out everything else out. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't try to please people anymore. If she ever did, you know, whatever she doesn't, she just looks to that. So it, it is empowering, I'm sure, to read through it. It was to me, right? Because there's so many periods in my life where I can relate to it. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, some of it is obviously, it's different for everybody. It's just yeah. different. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone, though, reading this book, or at least any woman reading this book and not getting something out of it. Oh, right. You know, even, even if you don't agree with everything, yes, you're, there are just too many statements that are just fundamentally speak to you as, as a woman, if nothing else. Right. And a mother. I mean, one of the mm -hmm. great, it's, it's not a quote, but it is one of the favorite things that one of the things that I just was, holy crap, her um, coming down um, martyrdom mountain, coming off martyr mountain, right? I mean, mm -hmm. it, we have to come up mountain because we just do so much we're such martyrs for our kids and it, it, take that however you want but it's so true right everything yeah I loved that I loved 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 that phrase it just makes me laugh because clearly if I have that I get it from my mother who ironically I don't get it from my mother <laughs> I think I did it because my mother didn't everyone else's mom was like there for them and mine wasn't and so then I was like oh I'm gonna be there for everything yeah yeah, I think mom was king of that mountain, actually. But, you know, that's, that's for a podcast to follow up. So anyway, so um, there, there's a lot. I highly recommend it. I do. Oh, yeah. Anyone listening that's in the Chicagoland area, I have the hard copy of the book. I did buy it, so I'm happy to lend it out. It's one of those. Well, and I think this is one of those books that you, you can reread. I think you can put it down and pick it up a month later and reread it and get something else out of it. It's just got so much. And ironically, because we are going to talk about some of our favorite quotes and you were talking about how, you know, she did, she, she knew she was going to lose people and she didn't care. And this is one of those quotes that I think is kind of speaks to that. So I'm, do you mind if I start with my oh. first quote? Okay. You are not here to waste your time deciding whether my life is true and beautiful enough for you. You are here to decide if your life, relationships, and world are true and beautiful enough for you. And if they are not, and you dare to admit they are not, you must decide if you have the guts, the right, perhaps even the duty to burn to the ground that is that which is not true and beautiful enough and get started building what is. Right. 
And that's exactly what she did. She was kind of like, oh, shit, like, this isn't my reality, my truth. Like, I, like, I'm trying to make this marriage work, but I just realized I've fallen in love with this other person and it's going to rock everybody's world, but that's not my problem. I need to do what my gut is telling me to do. Right. Here's another one. Again, it's not one of my faves. I had, I probably have 10 and I was going to have to like decide, but I knew it would come up that we would like over I have to search for and depend upon the voice of inner wisdom instead of voices of outer approval. Oh, absolutely. So it's kind of that wrapped into the same thing, right? Like, yeah. It's just, okay, mm, they're not going to like this, but this is what I know to be. So I, I think too, along, you know, that, that vein of how it was is um, one of my, this is one of my favorite quotes that she did. And it kind of goes with that. The only thing that was ever wrong with me was my belief that there was something wrong with me. Oh God, isn't that so true? Right. Yeah. I mean, that was, and again, that kind of leads it to the same thing that everyone thinks something's wrong with you. They make everyone's trying to be perfect and trying to be some, something that they're told they should be, mm -hmm. you know, even society like, Oh, you need to be thin or you need to look youthful or you need to be this or that or the other. And it's like, mm -hmm. you, you just need to be enough for yourself. Right. And that should be good enough for anybody else. That's right. That's right. So it goes along that too. So there's just, like I said, there's so many nuggets here of mm -hmm. little things like this that, and they all kind of, inter some of them do interweave together, but um, that was another one that I really do like. Here's one that I liked. And this spoke to me because I've had, I mean, we've all had times in our life that were hard. I mean, I had one in particular where my mom had just died. My husband had moved across the country. I was trying to sell a house. And, you know, find a new house. My daughter was in boarding school and I was trying to go and see her and, it, you know, and multiple other things were going on as well. Um, and it was, you know, not a good time. Yeah. And it said, uh, the quote is, what I thought would kill me didn't. Every time I said to myself, I can't take this anymore. I was wrong. The truth was that I could and did take it all. And I kept surviving. Surviving again and again made me less afraid of myself and other people and of life. I learned that I'd never be free from pain, but I could be free from the fear of pain. And that was enough. Yeah. 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 And this, this goes with that. If you don't mind, I'm just going to oh. do this one. If you are uncomfortable in deep pain, angry, right. yearning, confused, you don't have a problem. You have a life. Yeah. Being human is not hard because you're doing it wrong. It's hard because you're doing it right. You will never change the fact that being human is hard. So you must change your idea that it was ever supposed to be easy. Right. And what I like about this is I had this friend years ago who we both got married at the same time. And then she subsequently got divorced about three years later. And she said to me, I want to be in one of those relationships with like those old people walking down the beach, like a Hallmark card, like holding hands. And I remember saying to her, because I was the child of double divorce, those old people walking down the beach, holding hands, have been through hell and back. They've had good years. They've had bad years. They've had sickness. They've had loss. And the reason they're holding hands and they're so connected is because they got through it, not because their life never had any problems and they're just like giddy and in love from day one to day, you know, year 60. Yeah, I think people forget that, right? I mean, I, I can see it around me in some experiences without, you know, getting specific. Um you know, it's, things don't always work out. It's not, it, things don't work out perfectly, right? We have issues with our children. Um, we've had, we have issues with our parents. We have issues it, it, with relationships. And in society, think, like everything, like look at COVID. I can't tell you 
Right. I, I will say the majority of my friends have been pretty, for lack of a better way to say it, good sports, but there are definitely people who are like, oh my God, like yeah. this sucks. And then it's like, okay, take a pause. The entire world, world. is going through this right now. It is not just about you and the fact that like you have to wear a mask or you can't go to your favorite restaurant or, or what have you. Like, yes, it's, it's, it sucks. It sucks for everybody, but that's the whole point. It sucks for everybody. It and does. there are always going to be things and obstacles and it's what you do with them. And if people couldn't get past that selflessness, you know, of just thinking about everybody else and the people that were dying and how scary that was. Right. I mean, it's just there's good and bad times in life, right? If the yeah. hard things don't mean it's bad, hard but, things, right. don't mean things are bad. And again, one of the quotes that her, you know, Glennon has a podcast now called we can do hard things. That's like, like her mantra. It's her mantra. We can do hard things. She wouldn't have made that up. She wouldn't have said that. She wouldn't have a podcast about it. If everybody <laughs> didn't have to do oh. Hard things, right? Yeah, and I think it, what makes me crazy is the people out there, and, and we all know them, who somehow think that like life is supposed to be just you know, unicorns and rainbows and puppies and you know ice cream sundays, and it's like, yeah, you couldn't appreciate your unicorns and your rainbows if you didn't get kicked in the ass on and knocked down on your face sometimes. That is the whole way you joy. You wouldn't know joy if you didn't know pain. Isn't that? So, I think she really like hits it on the head with this one. I was just like, God, that's so true. It was never supposed to be easy. Just like get over it. And I think that was one of the things that I was fortunate enough, I think with my kids to have experienced, like they didn't have every single good thing happen to them when they were growing up. Right. They mm -hmm. struggled through things. They had issues with friends. They had absolutely. If everything's perfect, right. Like everyone gets a trophy um, you know, the, th there's no learning how to handle disappointment, how to handle uh, something going wrong or just disappointment or sadness. You just oh, and you're so right that I love that you just said everyone gets a trophy because I remember there was a time in when Taylor was in middle school where you got like if you got all A's and then they also graded you on behavior and participation on a one, two, three scale and like a three was good. So let's say in your eight classes, you got all A's and all threes in the semester, mm -hmm. you got this principal's award. But because everyone had to have a trophy, so to speak, the teachers were not allowed to congratulate you. They mailed it to you secretly in the mail because no one was allowed to talk about it because it might upset the other kids. And I remember thinking like, okay, if, you, if it upsets you, work harder, yeah. participate more. But I, I remember just sitting there and thinking, what message is this sending? Like, it's got to be secret and no one can talk about it. Like, it, it's nuts. They, our society's really gone way too far in that direction. It, it needs to self-correct for sure. So I think that that we can do hard things was one of my, there is a favorite. I have a lot of favorites, as we talked about, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that another thing too, that kind of, it sort of goes along the same line of it is another quote, the braver I am, the luckier I get, right? right. Meaning- the braver, the more I put myself out there, the more I say something that I normally wouldn't say. Bigger risk but, you take. Bigger risk you take. Mm -hmm. happen. That's why hard things are not necessarily always bad, right? Because you have to take bigger risks. And it's not luckier, but do, good things do happen. 
So if you put yourself out there, right. You will say, you'll never know what's going to happen if you don't put yourself out there, which is kind of, I think the same along these lines, you know, if you, if you're brave enough to be like, you know what? Oh, I'm so uncomfortable. I'm just, but I'm just, I'm going to just do it. A lot of times it's, you're so rewarded afterwards and you're like, oh my God, like, I'm, it's just like this weight is taken off because it's like this great thing has happened and, and that gives you more confidence the next time that you're in that position to remember like, oh yeah, I've been here before and it, it was okay. Right. Yeah. yeah. It goes for anything, right? Work situations, personal situations. We teach our kids that. I mean, right. how can we not do it if we don't, we teach our kids that all the time. Okay. You know, you know why we, we don't always do it. We could have my mom's mantra. She said this all the time. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. And it's like, oh, and I blew up and I started thinking about that. And I thought that's effed up. Like what, what, you know, how about I'm going to model for you what you should do as opposed to do the wrong thing and say, oh yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Well, that Um, to my next, one of my final quotes of, you know, just, you know, or not final, but one of the other ones that I'm really digging um, that goes along these same lines, I guess I should say, there's no one way to live love, raise children, arrange a family, run a school, a community, a nation. The norms were created by somebody and each of us is somebody. We can make our own normal. Right. Right. So it goes But on. unfortunately, most of the time, we're all looking to that script. Yeah. Oh, I'm a daughter. What's expected of me? I'm a wife. What's expected of me? I'm a mother. What's expected of me? I'm a friend. What's expected of me? Instead of stopping and going, okay, what do I expect of myself? Obviously, there are rules and rules. There are rules that need to be followed. It's not like you throw it all at the window. But I think we get caught up in those scripts sometimes and we lose ourselves in them. Yeah, we all do. Everybody does. And it's not all the time. I think it takes practice. All of these, you know, things that we're talking about to take practice to make it happen for you. Some come easier to other people than others. But for sure, for me to start thinking about this, it's going to, oh, I, I have it, to, okay, okay. I can do this. I can yep. do it. Right? Yep. Like you yep. give up your pep talk. I don't, and that's, and that's, I think a good thing. I think that's, this book made you realize old dog, new tricks. Yes. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> There's the saying. Yeah. Um, yes. I've got two more that I like. Well, I've got lots more that I like. Yeah. Um, yeah. But these are, these are two that really resonated with me. The first one, um, if you keep living with confidence, the rest of your life will unfold exact, exactly as it was meant to. It won't always be comfortable. Some will recognize you're brave. Others won't. Some will understand and like you. Others won't. But the way others respond to your confidence is not your business. Your business is to stay loyal to you. That way, you will always know that those people who do like you and love you are really your people. You'll never be forced to hide or act in order to keep people if you don't hide or act to get them. To be brave is to forsake all others and be true to yourself. Yeah. And, you know, I thought that's so true because, you know, we all know, you know, when you're young and you first have your kids and you're desperate for conversation because it's like you're trapped in the house and it's kind of like you have a kid, I have a kid, like, let's be friends, you know, just, and, you know, and then you may get to know this person a little bit and eh, maybe some of the stuff they say doesn't resonate with you and you want to call bullshit on it, but you're, you're just kind of like, no, no, I, I, I just need this. I just need this. And so you're not really true to yourself. And then later that relationship isn't going to stick because, yeah. you know, when, when you kind of 
take your blinders off and you you wake up, you're like, oh man, like I, mm, that that's not a keeper. Well, when but, you do that too, then you can sacrifice yourself. They might do something or say something that you don't necessarily agree with, but you're kind of far down that rabbit hole of like, have already faked who you are or pretended. And then it's harder to come back and try to recover from something. Do you know something. what's really a good way to fix that? Yeah. Move. <laughs> I have had yeah. to move so many times. That's one of the advantages. But I will say an advantage to getting older, because we have the whole podcast on aging, yeah. is I think in this instance, applying to this statement, I'm so much more comfortable in my skin. I know who I am. I'm, I'm okay if people don't like me. Everyone isn't going to like you. But the people that do like me that have been authentic with me and I have been authentic with them, they've got my back. And when I need them, they show up. And when they need me, I show up. And that is such a comforting feeling because we're entering into a phase in our life, sad to say, where if you haven't, like me, lost your parents, you're going to. Yep. You're going to have friends who get sick. Like there, there are things coming up inevitably as you age. And to know that you have that solid group of real people that are behind you and next to you and with you every minute of it, it's invaluable. And you can't get that if you're not authentic. Right. And that have been with you through good and bad times and have yeah. agreed and expressed their opinions and said they disagree or they yeah. do. Yeah. I mean, those are the most, those are the best, those are the best relationships, right? There's I, they're few and far between, right? It's not like there's. Oh, you, you don't have 42 have friends like that because like, you can't right. open yourself up and share all of your your stuff with everyone. You've got to find your people that, you know, you yeah. know that like it's a safe space and that you can tell them something and they can call you out and if they don't agree and say, listen, I hear what you're saying, but like, mm, no, yeah. <laughs> not that I've ever done that, but no, you know, I've, no. I've, I've heard that. that no, no. <laughs> um, here's another good one. People who do not suck are people who have failed, dusted themselves off and tried again. People who do not suck are people who have been hurt, so they have empathy for others who are hurt. People who do not suck are those who have learned from their own mistakes by dealing with the consequences. People who do not suck are people who have learned how to win with humility and how to lose with dignity. And I was like, God, it's so true because you know the people who do suck are the ones who learn nothing from it. And it's all like it's everybody else's fault or whatever's going on is society's fault. And the people who are like, yeah, you know what, I... I messed up and I figured it out and I'm good now. I'm good. I love that. I love that this quote has such good meaning behind it, but it's like people who suck. <laughs> I like saying it that way. It's kind of fun. People, people who do suck. not suck. Are this. People who people suck. Do not... suck. Why don't we just say it for what it is? Right. I, you know, I just, I liked that one. And I thought it was really true because when you, because the bottom line is by saying people who do not suck, yada, yada, is she's saying like, you know, if you own your shit. Yeah. And you, you recognize when you've made a mistake and you rectify it and you move forward, you know, on, with that knowledge, okay, I, this is, this is not how you do things. Like I thought it was, I made a mistake and I'm going to redirect myself and you learn from it, then you don't suck. But we all know people who, who are never going to get there. They don't have empathy. I guess I that's, a, that's a key part of that. empathy is huge. If you don't have empathy, it's like, how do you even function in a real relationship? Exactly. So they don't have that. So then, you know, they suck. Yeah. I was just going to say that. They suck. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. This one, this is, I know I'm going over my allotted <laughs> quote thing, but this one actually, I thought really summarized kind of her, you know, uh, 
going through all of her different stages of being an addict and then getting sober and then getting married and then having the adultery and then fixing your marriage and then blowing that up. Um, I am a human being meant to be in perpetual becoming. If I am living bravely, my entire life will become a million deaths and rebirths. My goal is not to remain the same, but to live in such a way that each day, year, moment, relationship, conversation, and crisis is material I use to become a truer, more beautiful version of myself. I mean, how true is that? If you look back in your life, like so, so many different chapters where I'm like, I I was a completely different person on so in so many ways. And, you know, not that it's bad, but I've learned and I've grown. And that's the whole point. It's like, you don't want to get stuck. Like I loved my mom to pieces, but as I grew up, I started to realize that she was kind of stuck at 16 and like the way she behaved and the tantrums she had as an adult that I had to then kind of roll through and be like, okay. I was like, oh my God, like she just kind of stopped at a certain age and never matured. And that's, that's not the point of all this. Right. The other thing is I wish some of this, I would have known when I was. Oh, you know, God, don't you? Right. Instead of having to, or, or just have the wherewithal to think about it. Cause I don't think I thought this way. I mean, I think. No, I want my daughters to read this book. Yeah. I think some of it's maturity. I think some of it is living through multiple good and bad times for everything, whether it's a family issue or a family crisis or just friendships. I mean, we've talked about this, things you've had that have been hurtful in a friendship or hurtful in your marriage, you know, you're with your relationship, you know, it's, it would have been good for me to have some of this, but that's okay. But back then too, like, I remember, um, like, Books like this weren't really a thing. I remember before my parents got divorced, when they were trying to save their marriage, right. they were giving the book, I'm okay, you're okay to all their friends. And like, that was the first book I can remember. Like that was like a feeling book. And then like, let's fast forward 10, 15, 20 years, whatever it was men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Yeah. But like there were, it wasn't like there were a lot of choices out there like this, where now there's so many and so many thought provoking books that again, just like we were talking about in our aging thing, how the young people have all these serums and things and they know all about skincare and we didn't, same thing. There's access to so much information that makes you think and make, gives you the um, power to have different perspective. Ours was a box and you were in this box and there wasn't a, a lot of um, opportunity to think outside of it because you weren't encouraged to. And I don't think there's, it's a, a part of it too, is it's not really ever too late to change. Oh God, no. Just ch- not just, but some people do feel that like, no, this is how I am and this is how I'm going to be. And- but I think that they're coming from a place of fear. People who say, oh, I, I can't change. And I think it's like, they're, they're afraid of, of what that means. And no, I'm not afraid apparently. No. <laughs> well, there's certain instances where we, I still, you know, I think I would fall into it too, but at least this is going to make me do a double take and think a little bit. So I do like that. That I mean, I do think that when something really makes you think about, huh, how was I in my life? Wow. I wish I would have known this in my Now that I do know. This yeah. What life, can I do different? How can I change it? How can I make mm-hmm. it? Right. Um, I have one more that we can. And I think we talked about this even when a woman finally learns that pleasing the world is impossible. She becomes free to learn how to please herself. Amen. <laughs> right? Um, Amen. We can't. Absolutely. We, you can't, you can't please everyone. So if you please yourself, that's a good starting point. Cause then you're going to be a much more effective person to everybody else. It's the same. It's the same theory, right? If you can't please everyone, you know, you can't please everyone. You have to please yourself. It's kind of along those lines. I just like the way 
that she said this better. It's mm-hmm. the, you have to please yourself. It's not selfish. You become free to do that. Right. So right. It'll right. Softer maybe instead of, you know, selfish sounding, but it's really not. Um, and- no, because I think that when you, you can kind of equate it to self-care, self-care can be anything. And if you, yeah. you practice self-care in any way, shape or form and take care of yourself, you are then better able to take care of others. Right. Right. Um, I want to go back to when you were talking about um, like learning, you know, look, this makes you think about being better and you know, what, what can I do different? She quoted Maya Angelou actually in one part. And this speaks to just that, what you just said earlier, um, do the best you can do until you know better. Then when you know better, do better. Yeah. That's a great one. Oprah talks about that a lot too. Yeah. Well, she was friends with Maya. So she's like always quoting Maya. Yeah. But um, she just said, you know, in, in subsequent to that, she said, we show up and then when we are corrected, we keep working. We listen hard so we can know better next time. We let burn our ideas about how good and well-meaning we are so we can become better next time. So it's just, you know, you, you do your best. And then if you learn something new, like in this book, it gives you new ways of thinking and approaching things. Then you apply that and you do better. But you, you can only, I, I say to the kids all the time, you can only do your best. And on any day, your best is going to be different. Some days it's going to be better than others. But as long as you show up and you do your best, you're given information, you act on it, you do your best, you can't do any better than that. Right. Right. And, and for that time and for that point in their life, right? I mean, that's right. Or, or even that day, like one day can change to the next. But I think, you know, taking care of yourself, is, is a good thing. And it allows you to then be better for others. And I think living authentically and being true to yourself, you are going to attract your people and those relationships are going to what carry, carry you through the difficult times and, you know, bring you joy and satisfaction in the good times. She called it living with integrity. Like what you are inside is what you present to the outside world. And that's mm-hmm. a really good way to say it, right? Because, you, you know, sometimes it's just not that way, right? You kind of present yourself differently than how you really feel. Just like how when you want to walk into a room and call bullshit on somebody and you don't. Yeah, yeah, you bite your tongue. Like, it's not, it's not about just being on this free-for-all of being this. No, no. I mean, there are rules that are meant to be yeah. adhered to. Like, you, there's times to call bullshit and times not yeah. to, right? you know. Yeah, but just being authentic with your friends and family and, you know, not pretending to be someone you're not, Yeah, you know, learn to say no, learn. Oh to God, that was a hard one. Yeah, exactly. It took me a long time to learn that lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all have those. So I, I, I think we've each talked about five. Do you have more? Cause I could, Oh, I'm, I have pages, but this yeah. is, um, I don't, I don't know if I read this one. I am a human being. No, I read that one. That was the one about million deaths and rebirths. Yeah. Um, did I say the one about living with confidence? Yes, you did. Talked about that one. Okay. Yeah. Um, what, what we need are women who are full of themselves. A woman who is full of herself knows and trusts herself enough to say and do what must be done. She lets the rest burn. She likes that analogy about burning. She says that a lot. I burned the memo presenting responsible motherhood as martyrdom. Mm -hmm. I decided to call... I decided that the call of motherhood is to become a model, not a martyr. I unbecame a mother slowly dying in her children's name and became a responsible mother, one who shows her children how to be fully alive. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I mean, she did, she did talk about at some point in the book about her decision to leave her marriage, right? Is this, 
a marriage I want my daughters. Am I modeling this for my daughters? I'm right. Saying, is this how I want them to grow up and, and live their life? Is right. this, you know, going to bring them joy and happiness? Right. Because I am doing it because I want them to be happy and have everything perfect in their life. But is this the marriage I would want for them? So, right. But the marriage she had was, was the, the script we talked about, you know, right. You marry the guy, you have the kids, you live in the house, you're like, you know, la, la, la. And then, you know, blowing that up and going, leaving that for a a woman, that's a big deal. But then her thing was, she wasn't leaving him for a woman. She was leaving for love and showing her children what a loving, really rewarding relationship was. And it didn't matter what sex your partner was. It mattered that the relationship that you modeled was something that you would want for them in terms of love and care. Right. Exactly. And respect. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't, I I mean, like I said, we could go on and on. Oh God. Yeah. We could, we could spend all day talking about this, but then. Of course we're ruining it. Yeah. You got to read the book. Yeah. Um, she does do too. I think she considers herself now, obviously she's a writer, but I think more an activist. She started, um, a together rising, um, charity that supports women and has done a lot of stuff through COVID. I don't know how long it's been around, but she does has provided women, um, resources, you know, to, to get through food, Mm -hmm. If their latest was sending um, resources to India too to help oh, yeah. leaf over there. So she's a part of this and this is her big thing. And this is how she's probably going to, you know, go forward in her life with this together rising. So it's, and then what is the name of her podcast that you said? We can do hard things. Oh, geez. I should know. that. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my podcast list. Yes. We can do hard things. Yes. Did so. she interview people or what's kind of the format of that? She hasn't done a lot. She's, she does. She talks to people and has conversations with them. So, um, you know, she's done maybe three or four of them, I think. Okay. So it's relatively new. Yeah, it's, it is relatively Unlike new. ours, where this is our 14th episode. So ours is like old hat yeah. at this point. And we're probably late to the game on this book. But, um, you know, I think it took me a while to want to read it because I was kind of interested but curious. And then finally, I don't know what prompted it. I was, I was glad you suggested it. I kept hearing about it and yeah. it was like one of those things in the back of my head where I, and it would get mentioned and then I'd forget about it and it get mentioned and I right. forget about it. And then one day I was like, I, for whatever reason, I guess you and I talked and then you were like, Oh yeah, we should, let's do that. But I mean, I'm sure it had been mentioned to me over the course right. of a few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. But sure. yeah, I think it was a good time to read it too. I think if, during the heat of COVID when like things are really like lockdown scary, what's going on. I'm not sure this, I would have appreciated it as much. I think I, I was too busy spinning in my own head, trying to figure out, you know, what was going on with the world and everything yeah. else. But now that we're coming on the other side of it, we're going to be out there in the world again. Yes. Good to have a new perspective and to kind of think like, how do I want to move forward and what do I want to put out in the world? And, you know, give back and so forth. Yeah, I, I agree with that. That's a great way to look at it. So, all right, Susan, thank you, listeners. Hope you pick it up. Like I said, if anyone's in Chicagoland, I have the book. Yeah, you're going to have like thousands of people in Chicagoland. You're going to be thousands. like, okay, it'd be like the library where you have to sign it out and then bring it back. 
Susan, we can only hope we have thousands of listeners and thousands of people. Okay. All right. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but no, no, not at all. Put it out there. Put it in the world. That's, <laughs> That's true. We're I'm gonna... just putting it out there and it's just yeah. going to come back. And tomorrow you're going to have a thousand emails <laughs> asking to borrow the book. Yeah, exactly. And I would offer mine, but it's on my Kindle. So yeah. I can't, I can't do that, but you know, there you go. Otherwise I would, although <laughs> I would say I do recommend if you can getting a hard, hard yeah. copy, paperback, whatever. It was hard on the Kindle because I really wanted to underline stuff. And it was, you just, Kindles are not as easy to do all of that stuff. And I think I will go out and buy my own copy because it really is a book I would like to go back and reference. Well, and, yeah, the only disadvantage to mine is at some point I started reading it almost halfway through realizing Jen, I got to start remembering this. So I like dog-eared every page. So the the second half of my book is like every other page is Well, when you read it next time, I'll buy you a highlighter. Yeah. And you can highlight it. But then how do you know where it is, right? Like at least with, when it's Well, this... you flip through the pages and when you get oh. to the pages with yellow or pink lines, whatever color you decide on, <laughs> then you go, oh, this is significant. I'll read this again. Yeah, I could do that. I don't know. I just, I, that's, that's the disadvantage. So, well, you know, yeah. whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. You'll figure it out. I have faith in you. You are an evolved boom. What did we say it was? Boomex. Boomex. You're an evolved, boom intelligent. Boomex. Boomex. And you're enough, Melissa, just as you are. <laughs> Thank you, Sue. <laughs> and on that note, thanks yeah. for listening. Thank you, everyone. Adios.